little hair now. I'm Natasha. Uh, I am our community center director out at the West Valley campus. So if I haven't had a moment to meet you, I would love to meet you after this service. I've been a part of Life Church now as a whole for about 18 years. And so Life Church is home. Um, it is near and dear to my heart. And my husband, he's here with me. He's in the helping out with sound. That's Michael. My kids are downstairs, James and Adeline. And so we're just so glad to be a part of the Life Church family, both in West Valley, but here in Tooele as well. We love Tooele. In fact, I was telling my kids as we were driving out here, they'd never been out to Tooele, but it actually has a really dear place in my heart. When my family first came to Utah, um, this is where my grandparents settled, was here in Tooele. And so it's a very special place. We love it here. It's beautiful. You all are lucky. You've got gorgeous views out here. We just have the mine. So <laughs> it's not so pretty every day. But I'm so glad to be here. Pastor Forrest will be back next week. And so um, I, he asked for me to share with you this morning as we continue on in our journey of prayer. We're also following along, same with out in West Valley, um, talking about prayer. And so we're just going to continue where Pastor Forrest left off. Left off. I'm having a hard time speaking this morning. Um, where he left off and where he talked about motivation. What is our motivation for prayer, right? He talked about so many times our motivation can be to be seen like the Pharisees, right? They, they prayed out loud. They prayed these elaborate prayers. They wanted to be seen. They wanted to be heard. They wanted to be looked good. But we can also pray out of desperation. We can pray out of our need. That is something that we all know more than ever, right? This last year, that was tested. If, if you weren't alive this last year, wake up, <laughs> right? We can pray out of a time of desperation. We can pray out of need. But most of all, we can also pray with the motivation of just seeking our Lord and our Savior because of who he is and what he's done in our life. So if you would stand with me for a moment, let's just pray and let's welcome the Lord as we begin to dive into his word and seek him. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who goes before us. You are a God who knows what's ahead even before we do. And so, Lord, as we seek you through prayer, as we learn about your word more this morning, I pray, God, that you would open up our hearts and our minds, Lord, that we'd be able to see you so clearly. Even if we can't see clearly what's going on around us, I pray, Lord, that we would see you and your intentions and your love for us clearly this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you may have a seat. In Matthew 6, 9 through 13, it says this. So pray this way. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You all know this verse, right? It says, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we, have, we ourselves have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We're going to take this portion of scripture and break it down over the next several weeks. But today we're going to focus on something just so small. And it was funny because when Pastor Rich out at the West Valley campus, he told me, he's like, well, this week we're going to preach on our father. I was like, our father, that's it? He's like, yeah, that's it, our father. And so at first I was like, well, we're, we're going to be done with church in five minutes. But if you can begin to unpack just those two words, that phrase, there's so much power behind that, and there's so much more in that that we can even realize. So we're going to dive into those first two words this morning, our father. But before we do, there's two things that I want to point out about this entire portion of Scripture. It's simple, right, folks? 
Sometimes we make prayer so complicated, but it's really something so simple, something so simple yet so profound. I was having this conversation with my mom. What I love about our Lord, what I love about our King, he is so beyond what we can even imagine and comprehend Right. There's so many things that he's given us in our word, in his word to help us understand him. But there's so much more that is beyond our comprehension that one day that we will understand as we're standing face to face with him. But yet it's so simple at the same time. His love for us, his forgiveness for us is so simple. And the other part is there's two parts to this prayer. So the first part of the prayer is really focused on who God is, who he is, his divine nature, his imminence, right? That just part of him that we can't even begin to imagine and comprehend in his purpose and how it's so beyond greater than the purposes that we give him. And then the second part, it is, it's focused on the very personal appeal to our human condition and who we are. See, this is a God who is big and mighty and majesty, but he's also a God who's very personal and wants to have a relationship with us and cares about our individual daily needs. So like I said, we're going to start with our Father and talk about, when we talk about prayer, the very foundation of that is we need to know who we're talking to, right? Who we're having a conversation with. I was preaching about this last week in our youth group about right now, today's culture, right? People know about prayer, right? We live in a day and age where you hear it thrown out all the time. I see it all the time on Facebook and Instagram and, oh, I'll pray for you, right? You see someone, I, I actually had a dear friend who lost their cat this week and was ran over in the car <laughs> by a car in the street. And there were so many people, oh, I'm so sorry, I'll pray for you, I'll pray for you, I'll pray for you. It's a very common term that we use, I'll pray for you. But we don't always think about what that actually means and who it is that we're praying to. See, when we pray, we're not just throwing out good intentions into the universe, hoping that it'll land somewhere, right? I hear that a lot from folks. Oh, well, I hope that this will happen when I pray. I hope and we forget about who it is that we're praying to, our Father. Fathers in, in our culture in this day and age, and I think for a very long time, fathers, even though it's not Father's Day, we're going to talk about fathers for a minute. Fathers can mean so many things to us, right? When we say the word father, that can come with a whole lot of good emotion or a whole lot of bad, depending on who your father is. We all have fathers, right? If you're alive in this room, you have a father. <laughs> you have an experience with a father, good or bad. I'm fortunate enough to have a wonderful father, a great father. My kids are beyond blessed. My daughter gave my husband this little number one dad mug not too long ago, and he has rightly earned that, <laughs> that mug. But sometimes, right, we have fathers in our life who don't meet up to the expectations that we have. My dad, his father was that way. He didn't actually meet his father until he was 21. I was just a baby. He abandoned him and, and my grandmother um, before he was even born. Right? But our expectations of fathers are someone who's going to be there to protect us, someone who's going to be there to teach us, to guide us, someone who will discipline us, although we might not always want it. We need their discipline. We need their direction. But most of all, we depend on fathers to love us, to care after us, to provide for us. In taking a little bit of a history um, moment here, 
back in um, the Old Testament times, Greek culture, right, was very prominent. Greek mythology, anyone ever take Greek mythology? I slept through it in junior high, I'll be honest. I, <laughs> I was like, I, I don't understand any of this, so I think I slept through most of it. But in Greek mythology, so back in um, early Old Testament times, uh, the Greek gods were really prominent. And so the culture of that time, when they talked about God, that's who they thought of, right? Zeus. You all know Zeus? Okay. They thought about Zeus. Well, Zeus wasn't exactly a loving God. He was very powerful, right? He was creator. But he wasn't exactly loving. And there was another God, Prometheus. So the legend goes that humans didn't have fire. And Prometheus, in mercy, was like, well, I'm going to give these people fire. And because he gave them fire, Zeus came and he put Prometheus out on the Adriatic Sea, wrapped him down, chained him down to a rock, and repeatedly tore out his liver over and over again. The liver would grow back, he'd tear it out again. The liver would grow back, he'd tear it out again. Not a very loving God, right? <laughs> he doesn't want his people to have fire. <laughs> he doesn't want them to have power. He doesn't care about their actual needs because we need fire. We use it for a lot of things still today. But he also was so vengeful and spiteful that he kept taking out the liver of the other God who was trying to help meet the need. Now, I know that this isn't right. Okay, I'm not saying that Greek mythology is true, okay, this morning. Let's be clear on that. But this was people's perception of God, of who God is, that God was a vengeful God. He didn't care about your needs. And if you try to go around him and, and do things your own way, he's going to come back for you, and he's going to, out of spite, and he's going to hurt you. This is what people thought of God. And yet when we read in the Old Testament, we see another God, the true God, our creator, who is much different than the God of what people had in their minds at that time. We're going to jump forward to that in a bit. But see, our God, he's so different. Think about this for a minute. Even today in our culture, when we think about our fathers who've harmed us, some of them have, some of them haven't. may not be your father. It might be someone else in your life, someone who's hurt you. I've met so many people throughout my life who've had a horrible experience with someone, and they've equated that with God. Anybody know anyone that way? Right? You've been harmed by someone, maybe even someone who called themselves a Christian. And they hurt you, and they equate that with God. See, we're not very different than the people of the Old Testament. They might have believed in Zeus. But we have a whole bunch of other people in our life that influence still us today. And it alters and it changes our perception of who God really is. See, Father, if it can be translated as the word Abba. Abba is this term of endearment. It's this term of intimacy. We serve a God who's not distant, not God who's vengeful, but we serve a God who wants to be intimate with us, a God who wants to be loving towards us. See, the beginning of the passage that we just read, it could have started so many other ways. It could have started, oh, almighty creator of the universe, Right? It could have started, great and powerful eternal being. No, instead, Jesus chooses the words, our Father. Why? Because he wants us to understand from the beginning the type of relationship 
that our Father in heaven, our God in heaven, wants to have with us. See, in this immediately, he sets God apart from every other perception of what people had of God. He's saying, no, this God that I, that I represent, this God that I'm, a par- that I'm a part of, this God who I've come to tell you about, he's so different than any other God you've ever known. And as we pray and as we talk with our Father in heaven, Because he is an intimate God, because he is a loving God, we can come to him in confidence, knowing that he's ready to listen. Do you believe that this morning? He's here and he is ready to listen. I was sharing this with our youth last week. I think if we truly understood this, we would actually change the way that we pray. Some, like I said, sometimes when we pray, we throw it out there like as if we're throwing it out there into the universe and hoping that it lands somewhere. Or we throw it out to God and say, God, if you're merciful, merciful, you'll hear it. But guess what? He is merciful and he is listening. In Exodus 4, we're going to pick up the story after Moses had just had an encounter with God at the burning bush. Do you all know this story? Moses, he's in the wilderness. He encounters God through this burning bush that's on fire. And if I had to actually go back and reread it, because I think it's pretty funny. I, I've never encountered a burning bush in my life, okay? I don't think any of you have either, right? God in a burning bush. If I were Moses, I, maybe I would have reacted like him, but I thi- find his reaction a little bit surprising. He's negotiating with God, <laughs> right? He's like, ah. I don't know, God, I I don't speak that well. I'm not the smartest crayon in the box. I don't think I can go set your people free. Who am I? Right? But yet God chooses him anyway. And sometimes we do this in our relationship with God, too. We negotiate with him. This isn't in my notes, by the way. So (laughs) we negotiate with God, with him a little bit, as if when he calls us to do something, we're like, I'm not so sure, Lord, that you picked the right person. I'm here to tell you this morning Maybe this is for you. You're the right person. God has chosen you. So listen when he speaks. But he says this, that God's after um, God calls Moses to go and to set his people free from um, slavery in Egypt, God sends him on his way, and he gives, and he says this in Exodus 4, 22 through 33. It says, you must say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn, and I said to you, let my son go that he may serve me. This is actually, it may seem pretty insignificant. Okay, Moses is, God has told Moses to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. We've heard that many, many times, right? If you've studied God's word at all, or if you've even watched the Prince of Egypt, right? You've heard this over and over. But this, there's something so important in there where it says, Israel is my son, my firstborn. This is the first moment prior to this, God had appointed Israel as his people. But this is the first moment that God identifies them as his son. He's chosen them not only as people who are set apart, but he's chosen to be their father. He's chosen for them to be their son. And I'm here to tell you this morning, we are in that same relationship with him this morning. He has called us to be his children. 
He has called us to be in relationship with him, and he wants to be our father. For Israel to call God father then, this was to hold on to the hope of liberty. See, Israel, when they called him father, they were identifying him as God. I didn't share this earlier, but they actually called Zeus father. That was a very common term in that time was Zeus was often called father. So by calling him father, they're recognizing him as God. But here's the awesome part. He's the one true God, right? He's the, the real God. And it says the slaves were called to be sons. When Jesus tells his disciples to call God father in the Lord's prayer, then those with ears to hear will understand. He wants us to get ready for the new exodus. What is God calling you out of this morning? He made himself father over the Israelites, not to keep them in captivity, not so they could stay in slavery and serve Pharaoh the rest of their lives, but he established himself as father and them as their, as his, their sons so he could set them free. See, his fatherhood had a purpose. And that purpose was to bring freedom in their life. Sometimes when we follow after Jesus, we're really content on just staying with living in the same old gunk that we've had. We don't actually let him set us free. We acknowledge him as father. Yeah, you're father, you're God, but I'm not going to let you set me free. I'm going to stay in my Egypt. But he's saying that's not my purpose. My purpose of being your father and you being my son is for me to bring you out of captivity. Think about that this morning. The very first word of the Lord's Prayer contains within it not just intimacy, but hope and freedom and purpose. It carries with it intimacy. It carries to see God in this light it reveals so much about what he wants to accomplish, not only in us, but in our world. So as being the community center director in West Valley, one thing that I talk about often is about how God has given us a purpose to not just be selfish in our faith, but he's, when he sets us free and we come to know in relationship with him, he's given us a purpose. And that purpose, right, is to love others in this world. That purpose is to share his love and his light with everyone that we come in contact with. See, when we call him Father, we concentrate our attention on the message and the mission of Jesus. Jesus didn't come just to say, I'm God, I'm King. No, he came with a mission. We celebrated this not too long ago. It comes, he came through with the mission to suffer and die on our behalf. See, God, he gave his son. Our generous God gave his son so that we, as his children, can have relationship with him. See, hope and freedom, it comes through our Messiah, our King, our Jesus, and his people. Because of that, when we become his, we have the ability to bear that pain of the world just like Jesus did. Why? Because we can turn it over to him in prayer. 
There's this really amazing quote from N.T. Wright. It says, prayer is the rhythm of standing in the presence of the pain of the world and kneeling in the presence of the creator of the world. He's called us to do both, right? As long as you're alive and breathing and on this earth, God has given you a mission. He's called us to be separate from the world, but what? We live in this world, and he's called us to be a light in this world. And the rest of this quote says, of, the big, of bringing those two things together in the name of Jesus and by the victory of the cross and through calling God Father. God has called us to be a light and to establish him as Father, Father of our lives, Father of our families. And Jesus, it's really interesting, at the beginning of his ministry, right, he's establishing our Father. He's telling them, God is your Father. He is your Father. He is your God. He is your true King. And at the, if we look at the end of his ministry, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, what does he say? He says in Matthew 26, 39 and 42, going a little further, he drew himself down with the face to the ground and prayed, my Father... If possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. He went away a second, a second time and prayed, My Father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will must be done. See, Jesus, he knew he came with a purpose and a mission. One was to proclaim his Father, to make him known. And the other was that he came for the purpose to set us free from our sins, and he could only do that through the cross. What has God called you to pull you out of today? Or what sacrifice has he called you to today to impact your world around you, your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors? Who has he called you to? He's called you to establish him as father, to make him known. But he's also, again, like we talked about, he's called you to pull yourself out or for him to pull you out of a life of bondage, not to stay content where you're at, but he's called you to pull you out of that bondage so then you can be that light to others around you. See, this is the practical overflow of prayer bringing it back to prayer. We have a mission behind prayer. We know who we're praying to, but we also have a purpose in our prayer. Some of us are a little selfish in our prayers. I can be too, okay? I'm, I wouldn't say if I, if I hadn't been there. We think about ourselves. Lord, if you could only fill up my tank of gas, my husband does that for me. He answered my prayer. No. <laughs> right? But God has called us not just to focus on ourselves. He's called us to focus on others, even through prayer. And like I said earlier, if we knew who we were praying to, how would your prayers change? How would they change for the way that you pray for others? Would they be more vengeful? I hope not. Would they be, God, get that person because they cut in front of me at Smith's? No. Or luckies. You guys have luckies out here, right? 
Walmart. <laughs> now there's a prayer. <laughs> but how would your prayers change? How would you pray for your neighbor if you prayed with that confidence knowing what he's done for you? Here's the great part. He not only wants to be close to you, he wants to be close to that annoying neighbor down the street. And it's going to take us praying on their behalf. Right? Jesus came not for his own purposes. Well, they kind of were. Let me how do I rephrase that. <laughs> he came for the purpose, though, for us so we could be in relationship with him. And he's called us to do that same thing. So I want to challenge you this morning. As you pray, know who you're praying to. And know the purpose of what you're praying. Because there's power behind that. See, our Father is a term of intimacy. It's trust. Maybe you haven't had a great example of that in your life. But our God in heaven wants to be that for you this morning. We're human, right? We're all going to fail in different ways. It's not fair for us to equate God with the people in our lives because it's just not the same. God uses people, but they are not God. So I want to challenge you this morning. See him for who he really is, not what others have made him out to be. We need to wrap our hearts around this reality of that our Father in heaven. He's not a distant God, but he loves us and he wants to be near to us. He's just not some God out there in the universe, right? But he's near. Our God is with us. Our Emmanuel, he is near. And our Father it's also a term of hope and freedom. Think about it. Hope and freedom. Just like he had a purpose for Moses to go and free the Israelites, he has a purpose for you as well. He's called you into something. He's called you into a life of freedom. But he's also called you into a life of hope. And when we focus on that, Man, that changes everything. Everything. When he's our first perspective, when we line him up with everything else in our life, it changes everything. Sometimes we live through weeks that feel like two weeks. I had one of those weeks, okay? As we were driving out here, I was like, man, this last week felt like two weeks in one. And it would have been easy for us to, or for me to retreat and say, Lord, I'm tired. I don't want to. But when we put him first, when we see what he's called us to, maybe we'll be like Moses a little bit and we try to bargain with God. <laughs> but when we put him first as our perspective of him being our hope and our freedom, that he has a greater purpose than our own. There's so much freedom that comes in that. And he'll empower us and he'll give us what we need to make it through.
So when we start with our Father in prayer, I want to challenge you this week. Know who it is that you are praying to. Know that the purpose that he has called you to. Know that what kind of relationship he wants with you. Our God sent his son, his one and only son, for us. He gave up everything for us. He died on a cross for us, for you, for me. That's, what, that's the kind of God we serve, one who will move heaven and earth. And so this morning, as you, I'll invite you just to bow your heads this morning and close your eyes. I want to invite you, if you don't know this Father, if you don't know this God who wants to be near to you, this is your moment to know him. He's not a distant God. He's a God who wants to be with you in every trouble of your life. He wants to be with you in every victory of your life. And more than anything, he's come to set you free. If that's you this morning and you want to know him, whether it's for the first time or you're coming back to him or you just even want to know him deeper, will you raise your hand with me this morning? Lord, thank you. You can put your hands down. Lord, we thank you that you haven't ignored us. You haven't forgotten us. But Lord, that we are dear to you. God, that we are near to your heart. So Lord, I pray for every hand that was raised in this room this morning. Lord, I pray, God, that they would know your un unwavering love and your forgiveness. Lord, you've called us to live free from sin. Lord, I pray that those of us who are living still in exile, we are stuck in Egypt. God, I pray that you would give us the courage to look to you and to recognize you as our Savior and to leave our past behind us. God, and to walk into your freedom, even if we don't know what that means. God, because we know that we can trust you because you're listening and you're a good God. And we thank you this morning. I'm going to invite you to go ahead and stand up with me this morning. For those of you, is there any, we all should have received a uh, communion emblem this morning. We're going to wrap up with communion this morning. Is there anyone who didn't get one? You can raise your hand and we'll make sure you get one over here. Whoops. What a beautiful way to wrap up in communion after we know who our Father is, right? So in Luke twenty-two fourteen through 20, it says, Now when the hour came, Jesus took his place at the table, and the apostles joined him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. It says, then he took bread and after giving thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body for which I have given you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
We're going to break right there for a moment. Go ahead and pull out your bread. Remember what he has done for you. The sacrifice that he has paid for you on the cross. Your father wants to have that loving relationship with you, and we're celebrating that this morning. So as you do that, think back to what he did for you on the cross and what he sets you free from this morning. You can go ahead and take that. So then in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, this is this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Through his blood, we are set free. We are clean. We are whole. We are forgiven. Through his blood, it is sealed for all eternity that we are his. So as we take of the cup this morning, Let's celebrate the freedom that we have in him. Let's celebrate the forgiveness that we have in him this morning. Lord, we thank you for what you did for us on the cross. We thank you, God, that we don't have to live in fear and in doubt, but, God, that we can live in your freedom. No other God is like you. There is no one greater than you, Lord. And we thank you for the sacrifice that you paid for us on the cross. Lord, we worship you. Lord, and we ask, God, that as we leave this place and we face the days ahead, Lord, that we wouldn't forget, but Lord, that we would remember, just like we did this morning, what you have done for us. God, and that you did the most powerful thing of all, God, that you have freed us from sin and death. And Lord, because you have freed us, Lord, we can live alive and in confidence. Knowing that you are with us. God, that you have taken care of the highest price. And Lord, we praise you. We thank you. Can we just give him a clap of praise this morning? Lord, you are good. Lord, we love you. I pray, God, for each of these people in this room as we leave this place, God, that you would go before them this week. Lord, and that as we pray, we would pray with confidence, knowing that we are praying to the God Almighty, our King in heaven, our Father, who longs to be near to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Love you. Thank you for having us. And I won't see you next week, but Pastor Forrest will. <laughs>